to Gardening with Angelo on News Radio WTAM 1100. Now your host, Angelo Petiti. Good morning, everyone. This is Noel and for Angelo. My goodness, we're going to have a few uh, rainy days here. It looks like we'll finally see the sun come this Tuesday. And when that does happen, cooler temperatures always mean that we can get out in the garden and do plenty of things. So uh, let's talk about uh, for this week, maybe some things to look forward to doing outside. Um, definitely have uh, some things to check on out in the garden. So um, let's talk about that for a little bit. So uh, skunks and raccoons. You may have seen some digging out there in the lawns. They will really dig, especially with all this moisture. Um, of course, it's a lot easier to uh, dig up the lawn um, when it is wet and um, go ahead and get in the soil. And what they're looking for, of course, are grubs. Um, so what you want to do is you want to go ahead and if you're seeing the digging, you know, you go ahead and pull back some of that turf to see if you can actually see those uh, Japanese beetle grubs, okay? So they're a, a pretty thick white grub, dark head, okay? And they have kind of a C shape. They're really, they're, they sort of curl up, if you will, into a C. And um, the only thing about this now is that we've gotten into September, Grub X should have taken care of everything from, let's say, late April all the way through to this point but it is not active at this time now. So it's too late to apply GrubX, but you can apply something called BioAdvanced 24-Hour Grub Control. And I've kind of talked about BioAdvanced is that new name for bear. So if you've if you've heard of the bear lawn um, and garden products, that's it's called BioAdvanced now. So 24-Hour Grub Control from BioAdvanced is going to help if you do see those grubs existing. So do look out for that. The other thing is usually on a four-step uh, program when you're feeding the lawn, the fourth step occurs right around Labor Day. So if you haven't done that, you can go ahead and apply your fourth step of lawn fertilizer. And, um, you know, Scott's fourth step is usually the fall or winterizer. Um, Espoma, the organic version, they also have a fall winterizer step. So you, you're going to go ahead and apply that on a dry day, right? So on a dry lawn, and then you can go ahead and water it in. So if you hit the lawn last night with it and you're letting the rain water it, in, that's fine. Um, but do get that out there. You don't want it to clump up. So you don't want to apply it on a day like today. It'll get all clumped up um, in your spreader and in the lawn. So um, do look for that. And that, of course, will make that grass, the root system especially, it will make it so much stronger and it'll just winter over better. So um, that's something to look forward to as well. Um, it really is the best time to reseed or renovate your lawn. Okay. And I know Angelo's been talking about it. Um, you know, cooler evenings, warm, sunny days. That's a great time to do it. And, um, so you can do it a couple different ways. Angelo always talks about if you're just going to overseed, go ahead. And you want to dethatch the lawn, typically, um, going both directions with the dethatcher or dethatcher rake. And then you're going to clean up all of that debris because your thatch is all of that dead detrital material that's underneath the grass blade. And it's real spongy. And what happens is if you are watering or if it's raining or if you're fertilizing, the, sometimes the fertilizer and the moisture gets stuck in that spongy layer and it never gets down to the root system. So it's really important to dethatch if you do have 
have, um, you know, a good thickness there. Uh, you really want to remove that and it'll be much better for your lawn. And then you'd go ahead and you would simply take that seed, whatever you're using, uh, typically in your sunny spots, you're using, uh, usually a blue fescue type blend. It does very well in the sun. Um, if you're in shady spots, it's usually like a, a creeping fescue or a red fescue. They do very well in drought and they establish well in kind of poorer soil. So in those shady soils, they do pretty well. So you'll see a blend of those and um, you're going to go ahead and overseed in those areas. You can apply your fall fertilizer. You can apply, uh, you know, a, a seed starting fertilizer uh, for lawns. You can apply that. You can apply your lawn, uh, lime, excuse me, and then you go ahead and you just water it in. So again, great time to do that. If you're renovating, um, what you really want to do is you want to go ahead and you're going to kill the, the lawn with a general herbicide. So you can use anything from Roundup, Cleanup. Those are all man-made green killers. Okay. You can also use, there's a, a natural form of that. It's called burnout. So burnout can be applied if you'd prefer not to use the Roundup Cleanup, uh, formulation and that's fine too. And again, it's a green killer. So it's a general herbicide. It'll kill anything green. So do be a careful, you know, how you're applying it. And then as that lawn dies back, it'll usually take a week or so. Let it die back. You can mow it really, really short. You can go through the dethatching steps again, clean up all of that debris and then go ahead and you're going to do the same thing. You're going to apply your seed, whatever works best for your lawn area. You'll go ahead and apply the, the lime you'll go ahead and apply the fertilizer just remember the fertilizer you don't want any um, like crabgrass preventers or anything like that you want just a straight lawn fertilizer so it could be a fall fertilizer it could be a seed starting type and then you go ahead and cover usually Angelo um, suggests a little sweet peat over the top or maybe some straw clean straw and then you go ahead and water it in just keep that area moist not wet to the point of runoff but moist and you'll see that that grass seed just germinate really, really quickly. And again, it's because of those warm days, warm soil, plenty of moisture. It's a really good thing to do that. Okay, eliminate lawn weeds. If you're just dealing with lawn weeds, the grass looks pretty good for the most part. Um, one of our best lawn-specific weed killers is called Weed Beater Ultra. And I know Angelo talks about this as well. Bonide makes this spray. And what's really great about it is that it will cover a lot of different um lawn weeds. It, I think the label is a hundred or more on the label. So um, specific lawn weeds, you want to identify that and we can do that for you at Petites. Bring your lawn weed in. We can identify it. And then um, if it's on the label for Weed Beater Ultra, which it probably is, then you can go ahead and apply that product on the weed. It's a really good time to kill weeds as well because those um, weed plants are actually absorbing a lot of energy into the root system. And so if you spray them with an herbicide, they're absorbing that deep into their system. So again, trying to get on top of weeds in the fall is a really good time to do that. Okay. Deer. Okay. So we've all seen deer roam 
roaming around in the neighborhoods and what we're really watching out for right now are the the bucks um so they are in the rut season they are rubbing their antlers on any smaller caliper trees that they can get them on and so do be careful you want to make sure that if you did install smaller trees this season um go ahead and wrap those you want to make sure that you use the vinyl tree wraps they're much sturdier than a paper wrap um go ahead and use those vinyl tree wraps and cover the bark of that tree because if they do rub off the bark and get into the interior of the tree you're going to have some problems you'll see some growth problems later on or you may uh, lose the tree and believe me it's happened to me several times um, in my neighborhood so do get the vinyl tree wraps on now Um, plant skid again is always our number one recommendation for a deer repellent it is um a it, what we call it, it's an organic repellent it is blood based so it's blood meal based so it does have a smell to it um and it does have a dark color to it but if you mix it first we want you to put the bottle in like a warm water bath then you go ahead and shake it up and apply it and it should apply like a mist and that mist you can barely see but you want to do the tops and the bottoms of the leaves and that will work very very well for you you want to apply it on a dry day let it dry on there but after that point it usually will last for a good two months Um, so again look for plant skid it does very very nicely for us bulbs are available so the bulbs are in the garden centers if you're looking for a really great combination of daffodils and grape hyacinths and fritillaria or allium whatever you like and all four of those are deer resistant then definitely look Look for them and shop now because you're going to have your best selection now. I always call bulb gardening uh, the biggest bang for your buck because it's very inexpensive. 99.9% of the time they come up, do their thing uh, the way that they should in the spring. It's just not instant gratification, but boy, when when they really come up and look nice in the springtime after we've had a long winter, it's one of the best investments you can do in the garden. So do look for those. Um, lots of shapes, colors, sizes, all different um varieties are available out there and just make sure when you dig that hole go ahead and dig it we talk about two to three times the height of the bulb so that's the depth of your hole so make sure that you're digging pretty deep um you know and the deeper is actually the better for those bulbs um so that's a good thing too you can apply a granular repellent in that hole if you're finding that some chipmunks or squirrels are digging things up um you want to apply bulb tone or bone meal into that hole so there is some fertilizer there when the bulbs are ready to use it. Um, you can also use soil perfector. Um, this is the product that Angelo sometimes calls clay buster. Um, it's a spoma soil perfector and it's um, it almost looks like little pieces of lava rock. And um, it's really nice to put in that hole as well. It helps with drainage. Um, it also helps, it's real coarse. So as critters go ahead and start digging in there, sometimes they bump into that and they don't like that coarse coarseness of that product. Uh, powdery mildew. So if you're still seeing problems with powdery mildew, get on top of it as quickly as you can. Again, your copper fungicides are great to use out there. They Again, they have to be applied on a dry day, um, but once you get them on there, they usually will knock down uh, your mildew diseases fairly well. Um, so for right now, that, those are a few different things, and, and we can talk a little bit more about starting the lawn and, and doing some other things, too. But we're going to take a short pause, and we're going to be right back with your phone calls. 
Back to Gardening with Angelo on News Radio WTAM 1100. Once again, Angelo Petiti. Hi, everyone. This is Noelle and Frangelo on this rainy morning, but we're going to get back out there later this week. So we're going to start with your phone calls. Good morning. You're on the air. Hello. Good morning. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for I waiting. Have, oh, no problem. I am going to be moving in the spring into a new home. Okay. I have a lot of plants in my yard that I would like to take with me. Sure. I have, um, and I'm not 100% sure that they're going to survive, of course. The early spring things are things that I would like to pot up now, like bleeding hearts and trilliums and bloodroots before I lose track of them. And then I also have a lot of peonies that I'd like to take, a ton of different varieties of hostas, daylilies, hydrangeas, and ferns. And that's certainly not everything, but those are the most important to me. Sure. My question is, I can dig them up now and put them in pots, and then I have someone who's going to loan me part of their yard in another city to winter these plants over. But okay. that's what I don't know what to do. Yeah. Do I plant them in their ground or do I put like sink my pots with the plants in them in the ground? What do I do? Okay. You've, yeah. Oh my gosh. Great question. And you, you've picked a great time of year to do this. So, you know, it's, it's perfect. Um, you will be able to dig as soon as we get through this rainy spot and it will be perfect because the ground will be nice and moist. The plants will be hydrated. You can go ahead and dig a nice root ball, put them in plastic containers. If you don't have plastic containers, um, we have some recycle bins around our garden centers where you can pick up some of the plastic containers that people, you know, are just recycling. Um, you can do that. And then um, as far as as like a holding area, you've got a couple different options. So um, you can ideally, ideally, the best holding area is where you are going to sink the pots into the ground and then you'll mulch around the tops of them once we get colder into the season, okay? And that plant material is really kind of died back. The whole idea is that you're protecting the root system that's inside that pot and then, of course, with perennials, most of them die back, of course, over the wintertime. But you're just making sure that you are um, taking care of the entire root base, okay? So you'll mulch them come, let's say, later November, okay? So that is an ideal holding area. Most of the time, I would say 95% uh, of those plant materials will make it through the winter, Okay, without a problem. Now, you can also bring those pots inside a cold um, room, four walls and a roof. Okay, so lots of times we'll winter over perennials in cold hoop houses, cold garages. Um, the only thing there, and you don't necessarily need any blankets or mulching or anything like that, but what you do need is to water, just a little bit of water once a month through the winter months, okay? We just want a little bit of moisture in those pots so they don't completely dry out, okay? 
Um, so that's your second option. Third option is if there is the side of the house where you're planning on taking these plants, if there is a protected side of the house that you can kind of push the pots up against and then go ahead and mulch them in that area, you wouldn't necessarily have to dig the holes for that holding area. So sometimes it's a little bit easier. You're not doing double digging because you're going to have to dig a hole for the holding area. And then, of course, when you're ready to replant, you're going to have to dig another hole. So sometimes that option is really good where there's a protected area. You can go ahead and, again, mulch. Keep those pots real clustered together. Mulch around the pot material, again, usually in November, and then you'll have your plants protected there as well. So they'll be just as protected if I mulched, because then maybe I could leave some of them at my house, Mm -hmm. my current house then, if I only have to mulch them. But I thought that if the whole plant freezes when it gets, you know, super cold, if the whole thing freezes, including the roots, that's, they're not going to die. See, I thought that the ground kept them from freezing hard. Well, right. You know? So so it's always, it's kind of a, a toss-up there. Normally, in a protected area, um, again, you are saving them from the colder winds, um, freezing um, types of temperatures, those types of things. So, again, it's it's one of three options. Um, is it my favorite option? Not necessarily, um, because lots of times if we get a good snowfall, um, the plants get blanketed and then they get a good insulating you know, snow. And, and that, uh, of course, will kind of keep them protected as well. So um, just kind of depends what you want to try and go from there. I will tell you the digging the holes, putting them in an actual holding area is, is going to be probably your best percentage of um, return, okay, as far as the plant material is concerned. Bringing them in the garage usually does pretty well as well. So that would be my second choice. And then my third choice would be that protected area outside my my garage which is not heated and okay. not insulated mm-hmm. does of course freeze inside but that is available mm-hmm. so that's still a second choice sure that there's no heat retained or anything in right there. right exactly exactly and i've had some folks they've done things like uh, you know have taken old blankets and things and put them around the pots and um again i don't think you necessarily need that just um you know a protection of the four walls and the roof usually will work very well. It's more of the dryness that can occur. And so if you can sprinkle them, uh, like I said, just lightly once a month over the winter months, that'll help just uh, create a little bit of moisture for them. Thank you so much, Noel. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks, Thanks for calling today. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Good morning. You're on the air. Hi. Hi. Um, hey, Noel. Um, actually have a Sort of a similar question to the last caller. Um, we're we're doing some housework here, and we have a a nice looking rose of Sharon, um, and I'm wondering if we can dig it up and and put it somewhere until we're ready to plant it again, which would be next year. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is that possible with the rose of Sharon? And would I need to cut it back first? I know typically you 
cut them in the winter or right before the spring. Sure. Um, yes, absolutely. Roses Sharon are such an easy plant to grow in this area. They're they're very, very tolerant of any kind of abuse. But to be honest, you know, they're um, some of them are getting towards the end of their bloom cycle anyway. You can cut it back to a manageable height, whatever you prefer, you know, whatever uh, is easy enough for you to move, okay? And um, absolutely, just replant them, pot them up or wherever you need to do or you can put them on a piece of burlap okay keep the root system fairly you know moist if you will um, because you don't want your roots to dry out Um, but really those plants can tolerate moving at any time of the year cutting back at any time of the year they they really can Um, so yeah no problems whatsoever and when you're ready to replant you can go ahead and replant were you thinking about reinstalling this fall Uh, No, it would probably be next year. In the spring, Uh uh-huh. Yeah, so not a problem whatsoever. However, it's easy for you to move. Uh, Rosa Sheeran, you know, have a fairly extensive root system, but I would start, you know, again, give yourself a good uh, circumference just outside the drip line. So where the leaves, you know, as the water falls off the leaves, that's kind of how we explain the drip line. You just give yourself a nice circle right around that plant, and then you start digging down and sort of curving towards the center of that root ball okay Mm -hmm. and so if you can get as deep as you can go you know if it's 10 inches or 12 inches or what have you if you can get deep at the center and you you might be six inches on the sides and keep on getting a little bit you know deeper and deeper and deeper as you go so you have a nice rounded root ball on the bottom but um, those plants again are just so easy they're they're really abuse tolerant they can really handle a lot of shifting and moving and no worries whatsoever okay okay I have one more question sure Um, it's about um, a taxis plant. Okay. Have, um, and um, this is a different house. We have a, a big shrub. And I'm wondering how severely can you cut it back? Usually I trim it every year, but it's kind of kind of encroached. You know, every year it gets a little bit bigger. And I'd like to kind of cut it back um, to a more a smaller size. But I'm afraid I'll just have... Oh, sure. Okay. Um, Let me, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't realize what time it was. Let me take a quick break. And when we come right back, I'll answer your question for you. Okay. Okay. Thank Thank you. Back to Gardening with Angelo on News Radio WTAM 1100. Once again, Angelo Petiti. Hi, everyone. Um, we're back with our you cutting back questions. So I guess the thing is um, with the use, um, not a great time to prune right now, but if it's necessary, you can go in and do it. Recovery is going to be very slow. And and normally when we cut use hard, it's going to be during the dormant period. So typically late winter, early spring. Um, if you're cutting into them, uh, normally they will sprout back from some older wood growth so they're a little bit better if you will sprouters from that older wood inside Um, but it's almost better to make sure that the shape of them is of course narrower on the top and fuller at the bottom so you get good sun penetration if there's arms or branches that are sticking out and they're too wide that's not a problem you can cut those back you know as 
far into the plant as you want to. Um, but when you are a lot of a lot of folks will shear taxis, and every time you shear an inch or two or what have you off that plant, it just makes the top growth uh, break and branch, if you will, breaking meaning I'm sorry, dividing into two shoots. So um, it's better to selectively prune that plant. Try to take out some of the older wood that's inside. Try to open it up a little bit more so you do get some good sun penetration. And again, just trying to remove uh, some of those older uh, branching materials or branches that are kind of sticking out a little bit strange. The height, if you start taking down the height, the, the height on taxis don't return as quickly, okay? So if you take down the sides a little bit more, that's going to be um, a little bit faster growing for you too. So just all of those types of things to keep in mind um, when pruning taxis. And again, if you have to do it now, you have to do it now. Sometimes that that's just how it goes. Um, but recovery is going to be pretty slow. Um, so just, just be aware. And you can feed those after you do your pruning. Um, so go ahead and feed them with Hollytone. That will help them recover, bring on a little bit more growth, um, especially before the winter time. Typically, they're so darn hardy that even, you know, uh, fall frosts and getting into the winter freezes won't even bother that new growth. So um, that's something to keep in mind. That was a great question. Thank you for calling. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Hi. I have a question for you. We had uh, fertilized, we defeated our front lawn. Okay. And we are loaded up with clover, and it didn't touch any of that. Is there something else we can put on there? Yeah, so clover is very tricky. Um, the reason being is it's more of a perennial-type weed. So you've got now you've got this hardy perennial root system in the lawn, and um, it typically does need a little extra attention as far as um, weed killing is concerned. So we will normally recommend um, like a chickweed clover and oxalis killer and um uh, you can find this usually bonide um has a great one out there um they're typically concentrates and um so you would mix it you know in a sprayer a pump sprayer um you can use it in a dial and spray type apparatus where you can hook it up to the hose and you can spray the entire lawn with it and it's lawn safe so you don't have to worry about the grass um but what it does what's interesting about this is it it has a chemical in it called triclopyr and triclopyr is unlike a lot of other um, herbicides in the respect that it doesn't react right away. It actually takes some time to be absorbed into the plant. So you don't see the those fast instant results with it. You know, when you spray Roundup, you'll see results in six hours or what have you. Um, this works a little bit different, but as it works its way into the plant material, uh, the weed, if you will, it stays with the weed. And so um, it's a really good product to use on those types of perennial weeds that you have um, so look for that labeling it's um, chickweed clover and oxalis killer or, or you'll see oxalis clover and chickweed killer it's it's one of those um, label names on it but um, it works really well on perennial weeds okay Is there another product that's a granular 
You know, I hate to tell you, I I don't feel that the granulars are up to par with really taking care of the perennial weeds. There's a lot of new products out there that are granular weed killers. Um, in fact, Roundup makes one, but I still feel that that liquid treatment is going to be better in the long run for you. Okay. Okay. All right. That's great then. Thank you so very much. You're welcome. Thanks for calling today. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good morning. You're on the air. Hello? Hi there. How are you doing? Great. Good. Okay, so I'm a little different. Sure. Uh, about as I'm speaking now, I'm looking at my sweet gum tree. Okay. It's growing fantastic, except the fact when I first got it, it uh, turned colors very slow. It started yellow, then went into the orange and red colors. Mm-hmm. But now all it does is, is turn yellow and then stays yellow. And then towards the end of the season, the leaves turn uh, not so great brown color. Okay. Is there anything I can do to reverse and get that color again? Sure. So um, tell me how old your sweet gum tree is. Oh, I don't know. Ten years at the most. Okay. Ten year old. Mm-hmm. And what do you do to maintain it? Do you feed it during the season? Um, you know, are you doing any supplemental watering, anything like that? Oh, I definitely do uh, the watering, and I give a tree tone. Okay, so how? Um, uh, sorry, so how many time or how many times a, a year, a growing season, do you fertilize it with tree tone? Usually in the spring. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah. So most of the time, you're. Um, your your trees, your your shade trees, broadleaf trees, um, they can take two fertilizations. Usually spring, again midsummer, we kind of treat them like a perennial plant or um, again a deciduous shrub. Um, so we'll usually give them two feedings. Um, are you having any problems with digging around the plant, or do you see anything like um, a disease at all? Oh no. Okay. Extremely healthy. Good, good. Um, you're right. Usually, sweet gum have some of the best fall coloration, and I think um, you just need to uh, continue on that vein of continue to maintain it, continue to fertilize. Um, sometimes weather can really affect the tree. Sure. So um, again, it just kind of depends from season to season what happens. Um, and and where is the tree planted? Is it like a tree lawn tree, or is it closer to the house? Oh, it's about 25 feet from the house. Okay, sure. So it's in the yard. Um, so it's probably just a matter of weather conditions. You're right. Most of the time, sweet gum is not, um, uh, you know, really doesn't have any major diseases, really doesn't have any major insect issues. Um, and the coloration is absolutely gorgeous when it's when it's good. Um, but I think more weather related. And like last year, again, we were really dry going into the winter. Um, and again, so you, you'd see more of that yellow color. The pigments in the foliage can't develop when, when the plant material is dry. And so you're right, it goes from yellow to brown. And if that's been happening in the last few years, I'm not really surprised because we have been going from, you know, dry fall seasons, which is not real typical. Typically, we'll get more moisture in the fall. Um, but the last few years we have been on the drier side. Um, so I, I hope, you know, 
again, we're getting plenty of rainfall today for the next couple of days, but I hope that that kind of continues and we get back into more of um, our average moisture that we should receive in the fall, and then you'll see those fall colors come back again. Okay, it's not a good time to feed, don't I? Should wait till late late autumn now? Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't feed for the rest of this season. I wouldn't worry about it for this year. Um, but go ahead and again next spring and then again midsummer, uh, just because I don't want you to have that tree push out new growth, get any kind of leaf damage, branch damage when the winter frosts come through. Okay. Uh, Noel, did you used to work for SeaWorld? I did used to work for SeaWorld, yes. Yes, when we still had the park here, yeah. Gosh, I, I, I talked to you once years ago so oh good oh great yeah we had wonderful sweet gum trees on the property and it was it was such a rewarding place but i love working for fatidis too so okay thank you very much for answering my phone call sure thank you for calling okay bye-bye good morning you're on the air hello hi there oh uh, I'm surprised I've been listening for so long. Thank you for taking my call. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, we bought a, a hydrangea tree about a month ago, and I put it in the uh, in the yard. We planted it, and uh, after about a week, uh, leaves started to f- fall. They okay. were they were uh, yellow and white, cl- close to being white. And we took it into the, I took the leaves into the uh, Petites in Strongsville. Okay. And the guy said it's under stress. So he said, you don't, don't uh, water it too much because I was watering it. Okay. Well, we, I, I stopped watering it, but then uh, all the, all the leaves, uh, withdrew they they're drooping they're they're all even right now they're laying up against the uh the uh, stems the branches okay so we don't know what to do because <laughs> because it when it did that earlier i watered it and it sprung right back it, sure it perked right up okay so um i guess the thing is everything is you know it comes at a balance so um of course, mid-season, you know, August planting, we had a pretty pretty warm August. The the plant's going to be stressed out. It's okay, though, because typically your tree hydrangeas are the panicle varieties, and boy, are they really resistant to drought and can tolerate quite a, quite a number of things. So the good thing there is I think you'll still see the tree bounce back. Um, with watering, typically... Um, when you even when you establish new trees and shrubs or if you're just trying to maintain we're ideally looking for one inch of water per week right so you can watch the weather you can see how much rainfall is falling it sounds like we're going to get like three inches coming you know at us the next few days so we don't have to worry about watering it this week and hopefully what you're going to see is that that again those fully that the leaves are going to bounce back now have you had leaf drop on the Uh, hydrangea uh, well when we stopped watering it the leaves stopped dropping now i noticed this morning there was a couple of leaves laying on the uh on the ground Ground. okay so that's okay i think what you're going to find is that 
uh, as these temperatures start to cool, that hydrangea is going to bounce back. But when we plant trees and shrubs and and plant material, you know, when it's hot out, yeah, they're going to probably show signs of stress, but it's going to be okay. I think it's going to acclimate for you real well here coming up. And I think, you know, when Tuesday rolls around and we get some more sun out there, I think you might see a lot of that foliage, you know, perk back up for you again. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah. So not a problem whatsoever. Did you fertilize it when you planted it? Uh, I, used, I I did put some. Uh, we had some in the garage. Uh, I, I I neglected to ask the man what type of fertilizer to use on it. Okay. And I and so I used what I had in the garage, but I wasn't too confident with that. Now I want to put. Uh, I want a recommendation on what kind to use. Right. So at this time, I probably wouldn't recommend you use any fertilizer because we don't want to push more new growth out on that plant. If you want to, do you have any miracle grow or any type of fertilizer yeah. that you could, you know, mix with water and then you could go ahead and spray it down? That's that's what I that's what I used on. Okay. Uh, okay. So with Miracle Grow during the growing season, we will typically apply it um, once every two weeks, okay, and we're we're getting towards the end because normally with your with your deciduous trees and shrubs, we'll say you know fertilize through August. With your hydrangea, go ahead when it gets to be a nice day out this week. Go ahead and give it a full year feed, so you can go ahead and just sprinkle right on top of the foliage, right on top of the plant. Let it you know trickle down. Oh, okay. And then you can go ahead and. Uh, uh, go ahead and you know really feed by the root system too and um that that should be good and then i'd say you can probably continue to do your miracle grow feeding again once every two weeks do that through the rest of this month okay okay and then you'll be done All right thank you very much you're very welcome thanks for calling today okay bye-bye bye-bye good morning you're on the air good morning hi nice nice to talk to you you too One question <clears throat> I have a hibiscus, <clears throat> and uh, in one area, the leaves are just perforated with a lot of little holes, oh, so boy. I got some critter there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like a beetle. Um, sometimes they'll okay. just do those nice little uh, holes there. Um, and so, have you have you put anything on it as far as an insecticide spray or... Um, no, I, I just noticed it the other day, and I thought, well, I'll call you and see what what I should put on. Yeah, sometimes they they they'll just make those nice little pinprick holes through there. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you can use is you can use anything from, let's say, Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. It works really well on beetles and chewing insects. Um, so you can use something like that. You can use okay. um, an eight spray, which is a multi-purpose insect uh, killer. As well um so just kind of depending what you want to do you could use um an insecticidal soap um if you'd like uh you could use a neem oil product as well so we use uh neem oil quite a bit uh for spraying for insects and disease so um all those options are good for you good okay i thank you very much sure it was that the only question you had that's it okay great well have a great day thank you you too bye-bye, bye-bye. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Hi. I have a couple of questions for you. Certainly. The first is is a little unusual, but I bought uh, some hardy banana trees 
this spring. And they're, they're not the fruit bearing, but they're ornamental. Oh, sure. And they're, they're gorgeous. They're about six to seven foot tall with three foot branch or leaves and all that good stuff. And they're, they're getting wider and wider, which is nice. But I'm wondering, can I cut off the shoots and try to propagate those inside for next spring? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you're getting side shoots now, yeah. I would definitely, you know, take them off, divide them now while the okay. weather's, you know, nice to do it yeah. and yeah. get them potted up for sure. And then you can keep them again with the um, hardier bananas. You can usually keep them in. And, and it always kind of depends on what you have going, but you can keep them in a cooler basement or cellar, or you can keep them in an attached garage um, where you are getting some heat and it's not totally mm-hmm. freezing. Um, so kind of depends on what you want to work with. Okay. Um, now, the, the, pot, the, the plant that I leave in the ground, is that going to die off? Can I cut it down and cover it, or is it going to just have to be removed and because it's so cold in the winter. Well, I've had um, so um, ATI down in Worcester. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I worked in Worcester. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. So um, they they grew some hardy bananas on campus. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it would be you know, and Worcester's a little bit warmer than us, and right. so uh, you know, it would just kind of depend. It would depend on how mild the winter was or how heavy the winter was, and sometimes they would lose the bananas down to the ground, and sometimes the bananas would stay up and and fill out really really well. Um. So it it's kind of a, a you know a crapshoot. Crap I hate to say uh, yeah, it. Yeah. That's okay. Um. Yeah. So I think your best bet with the hardy bananas would probably be if you can dig it and pot it and bring them into the garage and and try to um, keep them as protected as possible I think you'll have a really nice plant and and um, you know in spring you're going to have a certain amount of die back you know some oh, foliage sure. yeah. is going to um, die and so forth but you can remove that and um, fertilize and get it all ready to go back out again uh, for springtime and I think it'll work out real well I think you have to treat them more like um, um, a fig, if you will. And I know, uh-huh. um, you know, Angelo talks about protecting the figs. I think a lot of our customers um, prefer to keep the figs, you know, inside a garage or in a protected area or, um, you know, even a, a, a basement, if you will, um, trying to keep them protected. But they, they can take some cold treatment. So I okay. wouldn't start thinking about doing that until we do get into some colder temperatures, you know, until we do start to see some frost and things where that banana is going to say, oh, you know, it's time to stop growing here and go into a dormant period. And that's really when you want to start, you know, moving it into the the cooler areas or the garage or what have you. You know, I I wonder if you can, you know, cut them back and and wrap them like we do with the figs. That's my next question. Yeah. Can I cut the leaves back because it's so wide? Yeah, I I would think it would be okay. And, um, you know, we have plenty of folks that will actually kind of 
dig around the base of the fig and Mm -hmm. um, create a trench and then go ahead and, you know, flip that that fig down into the trench, cover it over with soil as best you can, Uh leaves, um, you know, whatever whatever you have on hand that you can, you know, that you can uh, cover it and mulch it as well as possible. And um, so we have a lot of customers that do that, too. So I, you know, I'm wondering if you said how many bananas do you have? Just two. Okay. They're about five to six feet tall. Yeah. So I'm wondering if um, you want to try one way with one of them and try the other way with the other just to, you know, sure. see, see how happens. well. Yeah. Um, so you've got some time here, though. I, I would definitely enjoy them until we get, you know, much cooler, um, mm-hmm. you know, mid to late October. And then um, at that point, I think, you know, think about maybe doing a little research and and seeing if if um you know trying one way outside going ahead and putting it in kind of a furrow or canal if you will and mulching uh-huh. it all over and the other one bring inside the garage and see how it does yeah. for you well that's fun because i've got some options and i've got so many shoots where i can try potting like three or four or even five or six of them and then you know do the other and, and toss one inside one in the trench and great then we'll- We'll experiment. One last question, if I may. Sure. I I, I purchased uh, three or four hydrangea trees. Okay. And I've seen neighbors a few blocks away where their trees are growing upright and real sturdy. And mine seem to be a little more wispy and, and uh, head heavy. And I'm wondering, can I cut off the all the, the tops and see if they're going to get a little more uh, stronger as far as the, the branches go? Yeah. So um, right now, again, we don't recommend a lot of pruning on hydrangeas. Okay. And even right. even the hydrangea trees, don't get me wrong. Again, they're really, really hardy, panicle hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. And you're right. You just have you have a lot of heavy flower growth on those branches right now they're kind of immature and so they are they're kind of pulling the branches down they're not as thick so really right now the best thing to do is remove the flowers okay so you take some of that weight off the branches and you with these types of hydrangea trees you can remove the flowers and go down you know six inches from the flower and still, it, as you cut those, you know, flowers off, you'll see that branch just like bounce back for you. Okay. Yeah, that, that's what I was wondering. It's okay to do that now. Then. It's okay to do that now. I just don't want you to get um, to cut too deep into the tree because, no, I'll just, yeah. Just at the flower head. Yeah, just, just the flower heads. And then next spring, okay. Mm-hmm. Angela will tell you, but you know, late winter, early spring, you get a break in the weather, you can go out there and you can really take the crown of that tree and cut it back to like a big basketball size, like a 12 inch wow, basketball yeah. is what he okay. talks about. And with those panicle hydrangeas, the more you cut and, and really take them down, the better they branch, the stronger they get. So you want to do that in the, you know, late winter, early spring. Excellent. Well, I sure appreciate it. Thanks so much, and have a wonderful wet weekend. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Hi. Do you have a quick question for me? Yeah, real quick one. Okay. Can uh, boxwood be fertilized now and um, just uh, 
you know, with the wet weather to get some fertilizer in. Yeah, so. sure. Um, so any of your evergreens, great question. Any of your evergreens will normally fertilize three times a year. And we don't really worry ourselves too much about pushing on new growth for evergreens. They're so slow growing anyway. Uh-huh. Um, so absolutely a good blast of holly tone right now um, would be really great for them. You can use muriacid on them if you choose. Whatever you like to use, but they can definitely get fertilized now. How, how about butterfly bush uh butterfly bush i probably wouldn't feed right now okay yeah the last thing you need is new growth on that plant to get killed off by a frost (laughs) so we don't want to do that to the butterfly bush okay well thank you very much you're welcome thanks for calling in today Bye. bye bye Thanks for all your phone calls today, folks. Um, really, just uh, just hold on until Tuesday. We'll be able to get back out there, and it's going to be great gardening weather with those cooler evening temperatures, warm warmth through the day. There'll be a lot that you can do outside. Enjoy.